Welcome to Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com, the show that's here to make the topic of taxes fun and interesting while providing great advice for individuals and small business owners on how to mitigate their tax liabilities. Now, here are your hosts, Craig and Belsis Smalley. Good afternoon, listeners. Thank you for joining us on Tax Avoidance is Legal. I'm your host, Belsis Smalley. And I'm your host, Craig Smalley. We're very excited to be live on the air with you. We uh, decided when we started our show that we would challenge ourselves by making the topic of taxes fun and interesting, and this has been the end result. We've got a pretty good uh, little radio show that we love to put on every week, and I think today we have a really great topic. Well, you know, Bells, you know, I've been doing a lot of thinking about topics for shows, you know, and I get stuck. So, you know, I'm also I write a lot of articles and stuff. So I go through these periods of writer's block. So, you know, about three weeks ago, I decided, you know, we have a lot of clients in different countries. Right. And um, I know that we have a really good relationship with a, um, a, a an immigration attorney. So, um, you know, so I thought it would be great. Why don't we do a show uh, about taxes for expats? and international taxation because we deal with it so much. So, you know, as Belsus mentioned, we're live on the air and we're happy to take calls. The call-in number is 1-888-GO-FOR-IT or 1-888-463-6748. You can also email us at info at taxavoidancesLegal.com. Now, we get a lot of emails because obviously people don't want to talk about their, uh, you know, their complicated or confidential tax situation uh, over the phone or have somebody listen to you. So make sure that you send us those emails. Absolutely. And, you know, if you don't want anyone to know who you are, you can always call in and uh, just be anonymous. That's fine, too. But um, before we move forward, I just wanted to stress that the advice given on tax avoidance is legal, is general in nature, Craig W. Smalley, EA, and CWSEAPALLP, and their associated entities cannot be held responsible for the advice given on this radio show. Uh, we always recommend that you consult your tax and or legal advisor. Absolutely. And as Craig mentioned, you can email us uh, at info at taxavoidanceslegal.com. And I check that inbox as we do the show, and I check it throughout the week. Um, we have our website, taxavoidanceslegal.com. Um, feel free to visit that throughout the week for details on the show. Uh, the show is sponsored by CWSEAPA LLP, and we are a nationally recognized brand of accounting, tax, and financial services. We can be reached at one eight four four cwsepa or 1-844-297-3272. And also our other uh, sister company, Tax Crisis Center, LLC, uh, the nation's premier tax resolution firm, uh, can be reached at 1-855-IRS-2911 or on the web at uh, taxcrisiscenter.com. So this is kind of funny. Belsus and I, we just uh, shared our 21-year uh, anniversary of, of being together. So um, I'm going to ask you a question, Belsus, that I don't know the answer to, and I probably should, but would you ever live overseas? Yeah, that is a really good question. You know, that's kind of tough. I'm not sure if I can give up living in the U.S. I wouldn't mind having maybe a secondary home somewhere. You and your secondary homes. I got to tell you, man. So how many secondary homes do we have to have? You want a secondary home in Chicago and now a secondary home overseas. Why not? Let's let's spread ourselves around. Okay. Well, I've got to make more money for that, sweetie. You know, I I can only do so much in a day, you know, but 
Anyway, let me give you something. So Belsis has, um, I don't, Belsis, well, she was born out of the country, but ever okay. since then, Belsis has never been out of the country. So, um, I've been out of the country three times and I just want to tell you one time was for two weeks and the other two times were for 10 days. And I got to tell you, there's always a, a time in my travel of being overseas and I've been to Europe, I've been to Vietnam and I've been to Japan and there was always a time in those, um, in those travels where I just wanted to come back to the United States. I missed U.S. food. I missed the, uh, you know, people speaking English. I missed Americans. It was just, you know, I just always wanted to come home. So I don't think I could actually live overseas. I think you just wanted to come home because you missed me. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think that's what it was. No, no, sweetie. I mean, with Skype and everything, we were fine. No, I think, yeah, I, I, I could see that. Eventually, at some point in time, you would kind of feel homesick for coming back to the U.S., I would imagine. You do, because there's so many things about the U.S. that you don't realize, you know. I mean, there, there's just so many things. And, you know, when you're a, abroad, you just, you know, it's kind of fun in the beginning. It's kind of exciting that things are different. But, you know, I'm kind of like a creature of habit, you know. So eventually, I just want to go back to normal. So anyway, but that's true of any vacation, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So, first of all, before we get started, let's discuss the basic rules of international taxation, okay? So, anytime we introduce any topic, we want to talk about the basic rules, and obviously, there's always nuances with everything. So, um, first of all, as a U.S. citizen or a subject, you are taxed on worldwide income. Mm. I think, yeah, a lot of people get very nervous when the topic of international taxation comes up, so I think it's great for you to go over some of the basics. So can you give an example? Yeah. So if if you are in the U.S. and you're a business, so let's say that you're a U.S. business because we get this question a lot and you sell something overseas, you obviously have to pay taxes on the income here in the United States. That's obvious, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, there are other rules that we'll get into later, like if you have a foreign subsidiary and stuff, but uh, we'll get into that. Just we'll touch on that a little bit later because that can get complicated. But also, if you're a U.S. citizen or subject and you work overseas, you have to pay income income taxes on your earnings. So if you are a United States citizen or subject and you work somewhere like Germany and they pay you $200,000 $200, a year, you have to turn around and pay taxes in the United States with that if, if you have those ties to the U.S. because you are taxed again on worldwide income. Mm. Well, what about, I, I always hear about, you know, different exclusions. So isn't there some kind of exclusion? Yeah, very good question. Very good question. So I'm going to quote a, quote a um, internal revenue code section to you. So bear with me. Okay. Um, under IRC code section 911, subsection B, subpart 2, subsection big D, subpart I, there's something called the foreign earned income exclusion whereby the first $101,300 is excluded um, from income, but you have to meet certain requirements. And that amount of money is indexed every year for inflation. So no, one, 101, uh, 300 is just for um, tax year 2016. And mm-hmm. then in tax year 2017, it'll be indexed for inflation. It'll go up. I was going to say that's kind of an odd figure, and I uh, gotta love these IRC. Well, I've got to tell you, I've, I've <laughs> got to tell you, I had to look that up. So every year I have to look up what the exclusion is because I always forget because it goes yeah. up every year. Well, what are those requirements? Can you go into that a little bit? 
Yeah, very simply. I mean, this is kind of redundant, but you got to get your calendar out. Basically, you got to count the days that you're out of the country. So, for instance, let's say that you're working someplace. Um, you have to be be out of the country for 331 complete days in a year to qualify mm. under one particular test. Oh, so there's. Um, it sounds like there's multiple different types of tests, right? Look, of course there is, sweetie. It's the Internal Revenue Service. <laughs> Why would it? Why would they make it easy? <laughs> they can't make anything easy. So, yeah. So what I mentioned to you was the physical presence test. There's also something called the bona fide residence test, which is uh, a lot of people don't fall under this. Some do. I do have a couple of clients that do fall under the bona fide resident. But that means that you're a bona fide resident of the foreign country or the countries for an uninterrupted period that includes an entire year. Mm, okay. Would that um can, um, would that be somebody maybe that has dual citizenship? Would that well, yeah, that you don't apply? have to, yeah, it would apply. It, you don't really have to have dual citizenship for that to apply. I mean, you mm-hmm. could be somebody like we have a client right now that's uh, he's he's uh, a missionary and he's on a missionary assignment in Spain and he's been living there for five years and mm-hmm. he qualifies. He has a business here in the United States and he qualifies under the um, the bona fide residence test because he is a bona fide resident of Spain. He doesn't have to get out his calendar and actually count because that's the rule that he um, that he uh, falls under and then we have to, we have other clients that that are out of the country we have you know clients in Saudi Arabia different places that they have to follow the physical presence test so I actually have to see their calendar and how many days were they out of the country because they're not a bona fide resident so it just depends yeah and I have seen that with some of our clients where they'll come in with their little calendar and show and they and they'll highlight the days that they were out of that country and so I've got to do a I've got to go through and add them all up and make sure they add up to 331 and they'll call us and ask us questions now I've been out of the country for this many days am I still all right you know because that's a big chunk of change $101,300 that you don't have to pay tax on is a big chunk of change and people are always uh, scared that they're going to lose that and of course i don't want them to lose that because you know that's an excluded amount right so they have to kind of make sure that they're keeping, exactly. track. Exactly. keeping track of time is important and making yeah, sure because, that it balances yeah because most people are going to are going to fall under the physical presence test very few people are going to fall under the bona fide residence test so that's why that's so important yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I know that there's a lot to this, um, but I was thinking maybe we should uh, do a quick break and then remind everyone that they can call us at one eight 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 go for it or one eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Also email us at info at taxavoidanceislegal dot com. And on the other side of the break, Craig will discuss more about international taxation. At Tax Crisis Center, LLC, we solve tax problems for a living. If you have a tax problem with the IRS, you've probably been inundated with postcards and letters from different tax resolution companies all over the country. Tax Crisis Center, LLC, is the country's premier tax resolution company. Unlike other tax resolution companies that will take your money and do nothing for you, once we are retained, we go to work. We get results for our clients and will handle your IRS problem professionally and expeditiously. Don't let the IRS push you around anymore. Give us a call at 1-855-IRS-2911. Email us at help at taxcrisiscenter.com or visit us on the web 
at www.taxcrisiscenter.com and let your voice be heard. CWS EAPA is a financial services company specializing in taxation and tax-related issues. Tax planning is a year-round activity. The biggest mistake that people make is thinking about taxes during tax time. When you have a complex tax situation, you need to plan for taxes on a year-round basis. Our specialty is mitigating our clients' tax obligations through careful tax planning. Tax avoidance is legal. Call us today at 1-844-CWS-EAPA or 1-844-297-3272. You can visit us on the web at cwseapa.com or email us at info at cwseapa.com. Put us to work for you today. Welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com. Here's Craig and Belsis Smalley. Welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal. Today we've been talking about uh, taxes for expats and international taxation. And I want to remind everyone again that uh, we are live on the air and that you can give us a call. The call-in number is 1-888-GO-FOR-IT or 1-888-463-6748. You can also visit us on the web at taxavoidanceislegal.com and email your questions to us at info at taxavoidanceislegal.com. As Craig mentioned at the top of the uh, show, we realize that a lot of folks are at work right now. If you don't want everyone in the office to hear you asking a confidential question, send us an email. Um, It's a great way for you to get your questions answered without having to, um, you know, get on the phone in front of everybody. But, uh, Craig, if you are okay, I have a question that came in from Michael in Jacksonville. Absolutely. Let's go. All right. Michael in Jacksonville says that he is here on an L-1 visa, and he wants to know if there is anything special that he needs to be aware of. Okay. Before I answer that, um, I know a lot about visas just because, like I said earlier, I work with an immigration attorney, but I am not an immigration attorney. But um, an L-1 visa, um, from my understanding, is an investor visa. So um, basically, the requirements of that, from my understanding, are that you have to um, invest $100,000 in a bona fide business that runs and all of that, and, and you're here on that. But um, basically, what you need to know about that is just you know what we've been talking about is that you have to pay tax on worldwide income. So, of course, you would have to pay income tax on anything in that business. You would have to pay any taxes on money that you're making in the foreign country as long as you're a U.S. subject and um, you would also have to report any foreign bank accounts uh, that you have overseas. Um, the United States person um, that has a financial interest or signature authority over at least one financial account located outside the United States and the aggravated value of all foreign uh, financial accounts that exceed $10,000 at any time during a calendar year need to be reported. And that is they're really, really cracking down on that. So that's the one thing that you really have to keep in mind is, you know, if you're, you know, even if you're here, you're here as a U.S. subject, you still have to pay the taxes on the money that you're making overseas if that's applicable. And you also have to, um, you have to report any foreign bank accounts. That's very important. Yeah, I really didn't realize that or hadn't thought about that. Uh, But why exactly do you have to report uh, money in a foreign bank account? Very simply, I can explain this very simply to anybody that was a child of the 80s. So if you were a child of the 80s like I was, um, we always heard about those Swiss bank accounts. Remember those, Mm -hmm. Bells? 
I sure I certainly do, yes. <laughs> okay, well, here's what happened, basically, was uh, people would hide their money overseas and, and foreign countries, and what they would do is they would try to avoid taxation with all of that. Well, um, about, I want to say, probably about, I don't know, 10 years ago, the IRS really started cracking down on this because they were losing a good amount of tax money. So what they did was they went into all these foreign countries and they served something called a John Doe warrant. And they did that and um, they got all of those countries, um, you know, through threats of, you know, cutting off, you know, funding from the government mm-hmm. and things like that um, to give up all the account owners that um, that owned an account overseas. So you've always had to report for an account. It was just it wasn't being done, nor was it being enforced, but the IRS focused on that. So now there's a pretty stiff penalty for not reporting it. So the the penalty um, is five years in prison and a $250,000 penalty for not uh, for not reporting your foreign bank account. Now, if you report your foreign bank account, there is no tax due. You're just reporting the aggregate value of the account. There's no tax due, but um, you have to report that it that you have to disclose to the United States government that that that, that account exists. Hmm. Well, that's and, that. and there's something I want to point out, and I'm so sorry for interrupting you, Bells, but this is important. Uh-huh. The IRS, because this is new and they're starting to crack down on this, they're going to make examples out of people. So let me sort of explain something. Mm-hmm. Everybody know. Everybody thinks Wesley Snipes went to prison for um for uh, you know tax fraud. Yeah, everybody thinks that they actually got him on failure to file a tax return. Okay, and he got three years in prison. He got the maximum sentence because they wanted to make an example out of him. So what they did was he's he's a high profile person. He got the maximum sentence. So what happened there is everybody else in the United States that hadn't filed a return said to themselves, I don't want to to spend three years in prison. So they started coming clean to the government and filing their returns. I was there when all this happened and there was like they were coming out of the woodwork, I swear. So, you know, that's kind of what's going on now. So if there's somebody that isn't reporting these foreign bank accounts, the IRS will make an example of you. So be very, very careful every year when every year when when it comes tax time, we always give our clients a 25 page organizer. I got to tell you the. Oh, yeah, they love us. They hate that. Okay, but those are very important questions that I'm asking that I'm asking on these forms is how much money is in the foreign bank account and I'm asking all them for a reason because things change year to year but that's something that's very important and I don't didn't mean to drag that out as much as I had to but but to be honest with you it's something like I said the IRS is just now cracking down on Oh, I think it's uh, it's great to stress the importance of it because, like you said, they will uh, they will come out and try to make an example out of you. And they will, uh, they will, and they do it all the time. And I know you, for instance, can't do your job well unless your client is open with you, and that's why we do ask a lot of questions uh, when we meet with clients. And it's not that we're being nosy; we're trying to do everything to protect you and to make sure you're complying with all the different rules and regulations. Absolutely. It's very important. So what about a U.S. company that's doing business in a foreign country? Is that income taxed differently or how is that handled? Well, it depends. I mean, it's, it, that can get really complicated. So if you're a U.S. company, you, you have a U.S. base. So let's say that you're incorporated. Let's just say for conversation's sake in Nevada and you have 
Um, you have business, you have different, uh, businesses overseas, you know, d- you know, different branches and things right. overseas. Then yes, absolutely. That would be taxable in the United States. But, um, you know, if where it gets a little murky and this is something that has been coming to light a little bit with the presidential election is, um, what's happened is there's a lot of companies, uh, and this is something that I'm just going to let you know. I agree with Donald Trump on, and I don't agree with Donald Trump on a lot of things, but this is something I do agree with him on, is that um, a lot of companies, what they've done is they've done something called corporate inversions. And what they've done is they've quit their United States operations and they've gone and incorporated overseas. overseas yeah. yeah, there's a lot of companies that, that have done that. Walgreens just stopped doing that. Apple has done that. A lot of, a lot of companies have done that. And the main reason for that is um, the taxes, the high highest corporate tax rate in the United States is 35%. And that's the highest of any country in the world. That's so a lot a, of quite a chunk of change. Exactly. So, you know, and I was trying to explain it to a client the other day, 35% of $10 million is 3.5 million. Who wants to pay that much? Nobody does. So uh-huh. what they, so what they've done is, um, they've stopped us operations and they go and they, um, they do an inversion where they just form a corporation in another foreign country. And the, the countries that are well popular for that are Ireland, um, cause there's only 15% tax and things like that. And they will, they'll just stop and they'll, they'll go on and they'll, um, be in a foreign country and they'll operate there and then, then they escape United States taxation. The only time that they would have to pay United States tax is if they ever repatriate the money, if they ever bring the money back to the U.S. And if they do that, if they do that, then yes, they would have to pay U.S. taxes. But until that ever happens, if it ever does, they, they, they get out of paying United States tax. So I kind of ag- agree with Donald Trump it, to, to stop that from happening. Just lower the corporate tax rate to 15% and be done with it. Right. And that, and that sounds, and you know, it would bring companies back and you know, that sounds good, but that is, and, and I got to tell you, I don't agree with him very often, but I do agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. At a 35% is a, it's crazy. And it keeps a lot of people from uh, doing business here, you know, or taking their business out of the U.S. That's absolutely like, correct, yeah. Wow. Well, aren't there, um, you know, well, uh, let me think. What if I'm an expat, um, you know, in a foreign country and they uh, tax the income that I make? Do I still need to claim it on in the U.S. and pay tax on it in, uh, in the U.S. as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So again, your tax on worldwide income. So let's say, so let's use our client that we've been talking about, our mission, our missionary who, uh, lives and works in Spain. So he also has to fill out a Spanish tax return. And every year I get a copy of that Spanish tax return. And um, he has to pay Spanish tax and on the same income. And he has to turn around and pay U.S. tax on the same amount of income. So yeah, you do. Hmm. Well, I know that we have tax treaties with a lot of countries. How do they work exactly? Because I, I know that's something that I, a lot of folks don't understand. Yeah, so th- this gets kind of complicated. And I don't know if, if, if there were some listeners that are listening today that heard our um, our uh, our taxes about you know, our state tax show that we did about state taxes, but it works a lot like state tax. It's kind of it's kind of interesting. If you understand state tax, you can understand international taxation. And that revelation came to me as I was studying and uh, I was taking an international tax class, and because it's very complicated. And I was like, oh, this is just basically state tax. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So basically, how it how it basically works is you'll have a treaty with um, another country, and the United States has many treaties with many different countries. 
countries. There's some countries we don't have a treaty for, but I'm just going to use uh, one that I know inside and out. And a lot of times I've got to look these treaties up, um, but I'm going to use one that I know inside and out. Um, we have a, uh, a treaty with England. Okay. So let's just say we're talking about England. So if the, if the income is being taxed in England, then the United States won't turn around and tax the same income. Or if the, if the, if the United States is taxing the income, England won't turn around and tax the income either. So, um, that's sort of how it works. So you don't pay tax twice on the same amount of money. So, um, even if there isn't a tax treaty and you do have to pay, um, so, uh, there is a treaty between Spain and the United States, but I'm just going to pretend that there isn't. So let's say mm-hmm. that our missionary, um, pays Spanish tax and then he reports the income here. He can also claim something called a foreign tax credit for the amount of money that he's paid overseas. So let's say he made $10,000 in worldwide income and he paid $500 in Spanish tax. That $500 is a dollar for dollar credit against what his tax liability is. So in theory, you're getting most of it back. Um, sometimes it ends up being 100%. Sometimes it could be less than 100%, but you are getting a portion back of what you're actually paying in taxes. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, what is this? I read recently a headline about Apple owing uh, $14 billion to the EU. Can you explain why that is? Well, since have you been reading my Wall Street Journal again? A little bit. I pick it up every <laughs> once in a while. <laughs> oh, yeah. You leave it laying around and, you know, I glance at it. Yeah, so um, this is kind of funny. Anytime I see something about tax, my ears kind of perk up, but I like to read the, the different stories. But basically, um, Apple's European headquarters is in Ireland, as I just said, and Ireland is a tax haven, basically. So um, they pay 15% tax, and that's just well known. So um, Ireland is part of the EU, and the EU Commission stated, basically, that Apple uh, enjoyed favorable taxation. Obviously, that's why they did. And by moving its European products through its Irish corporation. So the other European company countries are trying to tax Apple, okay, or the EU is trying to tax Apple, but Apple's not letting it happen. They're smart, and they're running everything through their Irish corporation, where they pay only 15% tax. So um, basically, the EU basically said, you owe us all this uh, money, uh, you know, on the taxes in these in, in the EU, um, because the tax in the EU were more than they are in, in Ireland. So um, Apple in Ireland, Ireland's actually helping Apple in this. Um, they're appealing the ruling. And why would Ireland, why do you think Ireland would help Apple, Belsis? Well, they want to keep them there, I'm sure. They exactly. Want to they don't they don't want this to go bad because right now they're enjoying a lot of people coming in incorporating in Ireland. And why do they want to stop the cash cow? So, of course, they're going to help Apple um, appeal the ruling because if this ruling stands, then that blows up everything in the EU. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And like you said, it sounds like a, you know, this kind of is goes into my next question which is uh every time i turn on the news it seems like companies are moving their headquarters overseas so why don't you explain exactly a little bit more why that is um it, it is, just is it, just it be- all based on this the tax savings yeah that's all it is it's just tax savings because again i mean going back you know to what i said earlier um, going back to that, you know, the, we have the highest corporate tax rate there is at 35% and other countries are just so much cheaper. Ireland, for example, is 15%. So stop and think about this. You're a multi-billion dollar conglomerate. Are, do you want to incorporate in the United States and pay 35% of a billion dollars, which is $35 million? Or do you want to pay 15% of that, which is $15 million? Well, there you go. And that's why you have these, these companies doing that. 
And do the company, uh, the companies that do this escape US, US yeah, tax? Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they must be, uh, say, getting quite a boom out of this, uh, all these other, you know, countries that have the lower taxes. They're probably seeing, seeing quite a boom in US companies moving over to, to their country. Exactly. Exactly. And this is, this is something that can't, can't be, you can't tell a, a U.S. company to stop their op- to, that they have to operate here in the United States. You can't tell them that. So, you know, these, like I said, these companies and their their tax department is full of a lot more smarter people than I am, and they figure this stuff out and they go in and they do that. I mean, that they, they, it happens all every day. Absolutely. Now, with all the talk uh, with the debates, uh, you know, and Hillary and and Donald Trump and going back and forth on their different uh you know thoughts and what they're planning to do with the country uh, god help us all uh, but i saw that Hillary uh had an ad that said that uh, she would make these companies pay an exit tax what does that mean exactly well yeah that's kind of so again every time i hear something about taxes my ears always perk up so um they're already paying an exit tax it already exists so Let's say what they would have to do is if they, if you have a U.S. corporation that is going to dissolve and form a, a corporation overseas, once they dissolve the company here, there's a tax for that. So you've got to pay taxes on the assets and things like that. So you're already paying an exit tax, but it's not really called an exit tax. It's just what you would pay if any other, if any corporation dissolves. So there's already a tax on that. So they dissolve their operations here, move over there. There's already a tax. So paying an additional exit tax. Well, I mean, I guess you could do that, but I don't know under what guise you would be able to do that. But I'm also the one that never thought that you could call um, healthcare a tax either. And I was <laughs> the Supreme Court proved me wrong on that. So um, so I guess you could call anything a tax. I guess so. Well, I think we should probably take a little break so I can gather up all the rest of these uh, questions and, uh, and we can tackle them when we return. Uh, everybody who's listening, if you have a question, give us a call at 888-GO-FOR-IT or 1-888-463-6748 or email us your questions to info at tax avoidance is legal. When we return, Craig will tackle all of your questions. So uh, tune back in in just a minute or two and we will be back answering your questions. Forming a corporation or LLC can separate personal assets from your business assets. No matter what state your business operates in, forming a corporation or LLC in Nevada, Delaware, or Florida has benefits. For example, forming a corporation in Nevada offers privacy and no corporate income tax. Forming a corporation in Delaware can give you the legal protection of the state of Delaware, which is business friendly. On top of the legal reasons to form a corporation, there are tax benefits as well. Give us a call today at 1-844-CWSEAPA or 1-844-297-3272 or email us at info at CWSEAPA.com. Come and see what you've been missing. Payroll can be a nightmare for a small business. When you have employees, you have to pay them periodically, pay the taxes associated with them, and file quarterly tax reports with the Internal Revenue Service and the state that your business operates in. Our payroll is seamless. It is done through a cloud-based system. All you do is put in what you are paying your employees and approve your payroll. We handle the rest. 
Our fees are lower than the national payroll companies, too. Call us today at 1-844-CWSEAPA or 1-844-297-3272 or visit us on the web at CWSEAPAPayrollService.com. At Albertus Business Services Incorporated, we view ourselves as your internal bookkeeping department and are always improving ways to leverage proven cloud technologies to streamline and improve the efficiency of our outsourced services. With an in-house bookkeeper, you would run the cost of about 45000 a year. But with our monthly services, it would be a fraction of that cost. Let us help you with the tedious, time-consuming side of your business so you can focus on growing your business. Call us today at 1-877-695-6658. Our website is albernaservices.com or email dalbernas at albernaservices.com. Your success is our business. Now let's get back to Craig and Belsis Smalley for more of Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com. Welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal. Today we've been discussing taxes for expats and international taxation and want to remind everyone that we are live on the air. You can call in at 1-888-GO-FOR-IT or 1-888-463-6748. You can also visit us online at TaxAvoidanceIsLegal.com or email your questions to us at info at TaxAvoidanceIsLegal.com. And uh, Craig, I've got a question here from Josh and Akron. Uh, he says he works out of the U.S. for the last three years. Uh, he did his own taxes, but he thinks he paid income tax on the full amount that he made because he was he had never heard of the foreign uh, earned income exclusion. Is there anything he can do about it now? Yeah, go back and amend those returns so you can amend those and take the foreign earned income exclusion and get a refund back for all the taxes that you paid. But you can only go back three years, um, unfortunately, when you're getting a refund. So um, you want to do that as quickly as possible. Now, the open years that are open right now are 13, 14, and 15. Those are all um, considered open years. Um, anything like 12 or 11, those are closed years. So if it happened in those years, you wouldn't be able to get a refund. Mm, okay. Now, Craig, how about how many clients uh, would you say that we have that are overseas? You know, I thought about this. Um, I would think probably about 35 to 40, something like that. Now, when you transfer money to the U.S. from another country, is there anything that you need to be aware of? Because I think that's a yes. question that we've gotten before. Yeah, it's reported. So, um, and, and that's, um, you know, it's reported. So any amount that's over $9,999 is reported to the Internal Revenue Service that the money came in. Now, what does the IRS do with that information? Well, if you're transferring large sums of money, they, you can put you on some sort of watch list sometimes, uh, depending on, on who you are or, or what's going on. But yeah, um, the banks have to report that to the Internal Revenue Service. Yeah, that is a good question that we all often get and, and one that people don't realize sometimes. Uh, I've worked in banks before and anytime we had a, uh, you know, large deposit of, you know, $10,000, we always had a uh, special uh, sheet that we had to actually report and send off to the um, U.S. government. So that, that was pretty interesting seeing, yeah, seeing on the back end. That's true of any business. So if any business yeah. receives $10,000 or more, you're supposed to report that to the Internal Revenue Service. So exactly. if there's ever a time that we have a client that's paying us $10,000 at one time, we have to do this. Well. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, is there any advice that you could give to someone that is considering taking a job overseas? Other than a lot of patience and learn the language, um, I guess we're talking about tax advice. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's the foreign earned income exclusion. You know, that's really, really important. Make sure that um, you're familiar. You have some sort of familiarity with um, the physical presence test and the bona fide residence test. You know, I'm very, um, you know, I've been doing this job. I've been in practice now for 23. You know, what's really funny about that, What's really funny about that is that, you know, my kids now, they've started working, and I'm really of the opinion that everybody should have a basic understanding of how the tax system works. So um, they're both very upset at me because I've told them they're doing their own tax return this year, and I will check it. I'll double-check it, and I'll e-file it for them, but I think that they should have a basic knowledge of of the uh, the tax code, and that's true if you're going to go overseas. You should know uh, you know, a little bit about it. Yeah, your um, mic is coming in and out a little bit, so just uh, may want to double check that because um, it's a little bit hard to hear some of what you're saying. But oh, we had we had an email here from uh, Gil in Boston, and he says that he has a job offer working for a U.S. company in Hamburg, Germany. Uh, the company is going to pay him 150 thousand and pay for all of his relocation expenses, and he wanted to know what could he expect to pay in U.S. tax. Oh my gosh. This is probably the worst. I'm so sorry, Gil. I, I know that you think it's real simple and easy where it's just a calcula- calculation, but there's a lot of variables to tell you how much tax. So what I'm going to do is just, just think that you're single. Okay. So I don't know if you're married and that would m- mean something. I don't know if you have a mortgage or things like that because you have a tax bracket and you have an effective rate at which you pay tax. So um, basically what you would do is you would take that $150,000. Now, if they paid all of your relocation expenses, that would also be added to your income that you have to pay tax on. You would subtract out, um, provided that you were out of the country for 331 days um, in a year, you would subtract out that $101,300, and that would bring you to what your adjusted gross income is, and then it's just basically a calculation from there. So um, you know, it depends on what kind of tax bracket you're in. So, um, you know, you would have, you know, provided that you're out of the country for that amount of time, you'd have a pretty good, um, size of that taken away, um, with the exclusion. Mm, okay. And Gil, if the, the, your situation is differently, feel free to email us, give us more details so that we can give you a better. Yeah, and, and I'm so sorry because I get asked a lot of questions and um, unfortunately with tax and nothing is ever cut and dry. And that's why I love it so much. There's a, there's a lot of gray in there. So there's a lot of follow up questions I would have to ask. It's not, it's not a simple calculation of you know, this side or the other. So anyway. Yeah, your mic is going on a little bit again. Um, so what about um, what happens if you are a U.S. business and you have operations overseas? Like I said at the top of the hour, we're going to kind of get into this just a little bit, but I do want to um, let you know it gets very, very complicated. So I'm just going to touch on this. So if you sell products or services, um, you know, to your operation overseas, then yes, 
um, you, you pay United States taxation. So what that means is if you're a U.S. company, you're selling products to your other company over uh, overseas that they turn around and sell, then yes, you would have to pay U.S. taxation. But if that uh, foreign entity um, that is controlled by the U.S. company sells to some uh, or buys or sells to somebody in, a, in, a, in another foreign country and has nothing to do with the U.S., then there are certain times it would be taxable and certain times it wouldn't. It just depends on different rules and things. And this isn't really the the format that we can get into that because, um, it's it, like I said, it's very, very complicated. So it depends, you know, if it's Tuesday and it's raining, yeah, it may be taxable. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so there, there's, you know, a lot of things that go into that. I agree. I know. Um, what what happens if someone renounces their U.S. citizenship? You know, you know, this is, this is interesting. So, um, I've got a buddy, a really good buddy of mine. I mean, he's like a brother to me. And, um, his dream is to move to Belize, who apparently, apparently they speak English. That's their national language. I didn't know that until he told me, Mm -hmm. but he wants to move to Belize and um, renounce his United States citizenship. And this is interesting. So I looked it up when he told me this. Um, and I looked it up again this year in 2015, there were a record number of 3,415 people that renounced their U.S. citizenship. Why do you think, why do you think they were renounce their U.S. citizenship, Bells? I'm guessing they are going to. To, uh, these other countries, they want to, you know, stop paying all these outrageous taxes that we have. <laughs> That's basically it. That's basically it. It's all over taxes, so they don't have to pay taxes. But would you ever renounce your U.S. citizenship just so you don't have to pay taxes? No, I don't think. Yeah, I just would think do of that. all the benefits. Think mm-hmm. of all the benefits you get to being a United States citizen. So I'm going to give you one benefit, okay? If you come uh, from overseas back into the United States, you have to go through customs and and all of that. If you're a United States citizen, you go through the very short line and not the really long line that everybody else goes through. <laughs> so that's that enough right there is enough to be a U.S. citizen. The express line is, is Absolutely. enough for you. Yeah, you go to the one for U.S. citizens, and it's real simple to get back. Yeah, I bet. I heard you talking to a client the other day about how the US, um, the IRS is cracking down on foreign accounts. Is that something you could touch on? Yeah, we sort of went into this in the beginning, and I really sort of read the Riot Act on this, so I'll just briefly touch on it again. Yeah, I mean – you know, um, if you have an account that has an aggregate amount of $10,000 or more at any given time during the year, you're supposed to report it to the IRS. If you, now when you do report it, you're just abs- just reporting that it exists, giving the account number, what bank is held at, um, the address of that bank, and that's it. There is no tax on it. You're just reporting that, that there's an existence of that account. Um, and if you don't report it, it's subject, the penalty is, the maximum penalty is five years in prison and a $250,000, um, penalty. And, and like I said, this is new and they're mm-hmm. looking for people to make examples out of. So you'll probably get a maximum penalty. So it sounds like there's really no hiding money anymore. It sounds like they're really enforcing this, huh? No, 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 no. The IRS now has something called Report of Foreign Bank and Financial Accounts or FARBAR. And I got to tell you, about 10 years ago, I got really into FARBAR because it was brand new, right? And the IRS was really picking up enforcement of it. And I wanted to know everything about it that I possibly could. So mm-hmm. I read every article. Most of my CPE classes, continuing professional education classes were based on FARBAR. And I remember I was taking it when nobody else was taking it. Now everybody's taking this class. Um, but basically, you know, U.S. citizen or subject has to report, um, you know, those accounts. And if they don't, you know, they don't. And they it, they get a pretty substantial penalty for not doing it. 
Now, when you um, speak, you're always saying U.S. citizens or subjects. Uh, what exactly do you mean by subjects? Because I think uh, that could be a confusing term for some folks who are listening. Exactly. So I'm, I'm quoting code section. And anytime you're quoting law, every word means something. So very, that's a very good question. A U.S. citizen is obvious. Somebody that's a U.S. citizen, that's obvious. A subject of the United States is a little more complicated. So um, a subject would be a resident alien, like, you know, somebody that's not a citizen, but they are a resident alien. That would be a U.S. subject or somebody that um, can normally file a Form 1040 would also be a um, a U.S. subject because people that are in foreign countries that have to file a tax return in the United States file something called Form 1040-NR, which is a non-resident tax return. Right. So they don't file the normal 1040 that we file. So that's, you know, basically it. So who exactly can file a normal 1040? Again, it's a little complicated, but I'm going to give you a very, very basic answer. Basically, if you've been in the country 180 days, doesn't matter what your immigration status is, you can file a Form 1040. Mm, okay. Well, I think this might be a good uh, stopping point. We have a lot of emails to get to. So if uh, you don't mind, Craig, let's take another uh, quick break and then come back and answer all these emails. Sounds uh, like a plan. All right. Hang in there, folks. If you are a business that has outgrown your accountant but are not big enough for one of the big four accounting firms, CWS EAPA Consulting may be perfect for you. We specialize in tax consulting for small to medium-sized businesses. We can advise you on whether it is time to start a holding company or management company to mitigate your tax liability. We can advise you on whether it is a good time to expand your business, hire employees, buy equipment, or lease equipment. There are different tax reasons to do different things. Let our over 22 years of experience work for you. Call us today at 1-844-CWSEAPA or 1-844-297-3272. You can email us at info at cwseapa.com or visit us on the web at cwseapa.com. We're doing something amazing, and we want you to be a part of it. Craig Smalley is the author of 12 books regarding taxation. Two of his books have been revised this year. It starts with an idea revised edition takes you through the startup of a company. It talks about taxes, entity structuring, the IRS, and so much more. The Complete Guide to Estate, Gifts, and Trust Taxation Revised Edition is about how to navigate the complex estate tax. Both books have just been released by CWSEAPA Publishing, LLC, and are on sale now at Amazon.com. Now, let's get back to Craig and Dulcis Smalley for more of Tax Avoidance is Legal on TalkZone.com. Welcome back to Tax Avoidance is Legal. Today, our topic has been taxes for expats and international taxation. I want to remind everyone that we still have a few minutes left in the show. You can give us a call. We are live on the air. Call-in number is one eight 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 go for it or one eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Or you can email us your questions to info at taxavoidanceislegal.com. And um, Craig, I think you've really fired up the listeners because we've gotten quite a few uh, emails in. Oh, great. Uh, I hope they're not upsetting me. No, I think they just have a lot of questions. So okay. Joel, Joel in uh, Lake Tahoe asks, how does the U.S. have the authority to require a citizen to report money in a foreign country? Okay, well, 
obviously tone is always lost in email and text and all of that. So I'm going to, I'm going to say that that's not directed at me, but before we start <laughs> answering, before we start answering these questions, I just want to remind everybody, I'm simply a messenger. Okay. So I don't work for the internal revenue service, nor do I make policy. I'm just telling you what the, what the rules actually are. Now, how does the United States have the authority to do that? Well, you're a citizen of the United States and the United States has their own rules and, um, you know, everything about, you know, their sovereignty and they have these rules that they demand of their citizens or subjects. And that's why you have to do it because those are what the rules, those are what the laws are. I mean, there is no way there. Sometimes you can get around a law, but there are some laws you just can't get around. So, mm-hmm. um, under what authority? Because you're a citizen or a subject. That's the authority. I mean, because, so that's, so that's a simple answer. Because they can't. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we got a question here from June in Denver. Uh, June says that uh, she has a U.S. based business and a corporation in Luxembourg. Oh, that's an interesting place, Luxembourg. Yeah, she sells her products to the Luxembourg company and it turns around and resells at a higher cost to other companies in Europe. What does she have to pay U.S. tax on? Whoa. Okay. That's really complicated. And I don't want to, I don't want to complicate this, but, um, who, what was the person's name, Belsis? June. June. I'm going to give you my number. It's 1844-CWS-EAPA because there's a lot of, um, different nuances of that question, but I'm just going to give you a basic answer. So, um, first you would have to figure out what the foreign source income is. So uh, what the, the income in Luxembourg would be based upon this. Um, you know, then you would have to, you, you might have some subpart F income, which is very complicated. And I don't want to explain that and bore everybody. Um, and then, you know, you would have income on sales to others and other countries, but you know, there's a lot of questions, a lot of details that I would have to get from you. So please call, call the office or send me a personal email with all of those details and I can let you know. Yeah. All right, Mike in uh, Raleigh says that he sells stuff on eBay and sometimes he sells to someone in a foreign country. Does he have to pay U.S. tax on that? Absolutely, yeah. Why not? What would make that different, selling to somebody in a foreign country? I mean, the the um, sale derived from the United States. So, yeah, you would still have to pay United States taxation on it. Okay. Uh, Jesus in San Antonio says that he is here on an H-1 visa. And he wants to know how can he start his own business? Hey, Seuss, I have a question for you. Are you a bad hombre? Could you believe <laughs> that? Can you believe that? I couldn't. That's I could terrible. not. That was like the worst thing I've ever heard. Anyway, um, now again, I'm not an immigration lawyer, like I said in the beginning. And, you know, looking back on the show, we probably should have asked Art to join us today. But, yeah. um, an H1 visa, um, from my understanding means that you can only work for one company that is sponsoring you. Um, so for instance, a company would sponsor you, you would come over and you can only derive your income from that one company. If that is the case of the H1 visa, and I, I believe that is, then no, you can't, um, own your own company. Because the only income that you can ever receive would be from the company that is sponsoring you. Okay. Yeah, I, I also could not believe that uh, comment on the uh, bad hombres that uh, Trump unleashed. He always manages to stick his foot in his mouth. He does. I mean, yeah, he does. <laughs> a bad hombre. Yeah. Oh, terrible. Uh, Tracy in Daytona Beach asks, what happens if you earn income in a country that the U.S. has a tax treaty with? 
Oh, well, yeah, we kind of touched on this, but I don't ever think we talked about what actually happened. So um, basically, if you pay tax in the U.S., you don't pay tax in that country. If you pay tax in that country, then the U.S. excludes that income and the tax uh, here in the U.S. Okay, I think we have time to squeeze in a few more questions here. Um, Harvey in Las Vegas says that he does a lot of trade with Mexico. Isn't uh, his income sheltered under NAFTA? No. No, NAFTA is just a trade agreement. So, um, no, your income wouldn't be sheltered at all. I mean, you're just, NAFTA just opens up Canada and Mexico to trade with the United States. There's no tax anything in NAFTA. So no, your income is not sheltered under NAFTA. If you've been filing your tax returns under that assumption, then, um, please go back and amend them because you can get in trouble for not reporting all your income. But no, your income is not sheltered under NAFTA. No. Mm-hmm. Janet in West Palm Beach says that uh, she has a foreign brokerage account in Hong Kong. Does she need to report the value of that? Yeah, yeah. So I wasn't I wasn't very um, clear on that. They're not just bank accounts. Even if you have um, it's any financial account that you have a signature authority over, um, you would have to uh, report the value of it, provided that there was um, an aggregate value of ten thousand dollars in that account. Mm. And we have a question here from Jason and Jackson. Uh, he says that he's thinking of going on a mission to Spain. And uh, he heard you talking about uh, us having a client there. Uh, what income will be taxable? Yeah, any income that you earn um, in any way, shape or form. So I know that the... Uh the, uh, the, the person that's, that, that we're, we're currently, that's currently our client. He's been a client of ours for 15 years. About five years ago, he decided to go to Spain. Um, he earns income because he has a business here in the United States. So the church isn't paying him anything. Um, obviously he's doing it, you know, for free. But the reason why he has to pay tax in the U.S. is because he's making, um, he has a, a company in the U.S. So, um, but yeah, but if you have any income, you would have to pay tax on it. Okay. And Jackie in Portland says that her business trades a lot with Canada and her accountant doesn't really understand international taxation. She wants to know if you might be able to help her out. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, I know that sometimes in this show, I, you know, Belsa tells me I bore people to death and I don't mean to, <laughs> but things are, things can be very, very complicated and, um, international taxation is no different. Um, it's something that you have to have some sort of specialty in to actually you know, understand, um, a hundred percent. And I've been very blessed in my career that I've had, you know, a lot of different clients and different mm-hmm. client bases have done different things and foreigners and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, I'd be absolutely ha- happy to help you just, you know, give us a call one eight four four cwseapa Yeah, I agree. We definitely have been blessed in our practice that we have all kinds of clients. We run into so many scenarios, and I know it's made you a much better accountant for that because it's given you so much experience handling, you know, different people in different countries, different scenarios. And, uh, you know, I'm always impressed with uh, some of the stuff that you know, all the knowledge that you have. So, Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Final question from Gregory in Orlando he wants to know, well, uh, what do you think of UCLA football this year? 
Yeah, Gregory's asking this question. Gregory, my son, is trying to get under my skin here, so let me explain <laughs> this to you. Um, the Alumni Association of UCLA is really upset at Jim Mora, who is the uh, football coach, and they're also upset at Steve Alford, who is the basketball coach, right? So um, Steve Alford, I'm going to give a pass because he's a Hoosier, and I was born in Indiana, so I'm going to give him a pass. Give him, give him another... special treatment. Absolutely. He was Mr. Yes, he was, he was a big guy for IU all those years ago, and he was great so i'm gonna give him a pass i'm gonna give him a pass give him another year to get back on track but mora has got to go jim mora the football coach has got to go he has lost this team this team started ranked they were ranked 21 and they got beat and they've lost like three or four games now and it's like it's not even fun to watch anymore and it's like no i mean he's got to go and i'd be very shocked i'd be very shocked if the bruins didn't pull the trigger on him so um thank you gregory for getting under my skin you're not going to bother me i'm not gonna let i'm not gonna let ucla suck in this year get under my skin so anyway <laughs> that's that all right well i know it's important because you uh, you know you attended ucla so it's close to your heart but uh, absolutely well this is going to conclude today's show if we didn't get your emailed question on the air we will definitely email you back remember throughout the week visit us at taxavoidanceslegal.com and email us your questions throughout the week we try to always feature as many of the questions on the air as possible and if we don't get to your question on the air we will still respond to you so you're always going to get an answer from us the show is uh, sponsored by Tax Crisis Center LLC and CWSEAPA LLP and uh, we are a nationally recognized brand of accounting tax and financial services as we've said several times throughout the show, you can always reach out to us. Uh, we can be found on the web at cwseapa.com, or you can call us at 1-844-CWSEAPA. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we hey, look Bells, forward to yeah. before, before you sign off, can I say, because we got a little bit of time, I just want to say something um, sure. that, that we don't get to talk about a lot is um, we live, you know, our, our home is in Orlando, Florida, and i got to tell you something that, the summers here are just unbearable, right? So right. I've heard people talk about, and what gets us here is the humidity, right? And I've heard people say, oh, yeah, well, we're, it's humid where we live, and it's humid. So um, anybody that's ever said that, I want you to come visit us in late July and August and tell us it's the same because it's not, okay? So <laughs> it is unbearable bearable to, to live in um, in Orlando during those times of year. And you probably know that because you've been here on vacation and gone to Disney World or something. But I just want to let you know something. So here we are, and it's, what, the 21st of, of October. And yes. I turned on the news. I turned on the news, and we are finally getting our first cold front. So let me tell you, this weekend, we are looking at temperatures in the 70s and lows, oh in, uh, lows in the upper 50s. And that is, that is going to be absolutely beautiful and I can't wait. I'm not staying inside at all this weekend and we're going out and having a great time. All right, guys. So We've been waiting for that. We have. I hope everybody uh, out there who's listening also has a wonderful weekend. Thank you for tuning in and we look forward to next week's show. Take care, guys.